As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. If you know, then you know it's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads, working Wild Willie Fuel has partnered with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to offer you, the racer, 20% off when you use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, at checkout. Now, Wild Willie Fuel is the industry-leading manufacturer of professional fuel scent and top loop. They have over 60 unique fuel scents. Wild Willie has just the products you need to set yourself apart from the competition. Everybody wants that good smell. They got from the industry's number one selling scent, ex-girlfriend, <laughs> how cool is that, to the brand new fragrance, Fruit Loops. Love me some Fruit Loops. You are sure to find something that fits your personality. Over 60 unique scents. Surely you'll find something in there. Now, Wild Willie fuel fragrances can be used in race gas, methanol, ethanol, diesel, or pump gas. You can put it in all different kinds of fuels. And their scents are compatible with carburetors, fuel injectors, O2 sensors, and catalytic converters. So stop by and check them out at www.wildwillyfuel.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, to save 20% today. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, that's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products 
products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or, or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTERacing.com. Big Jed, summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? (laughs) Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Well, not so much, Luke. Well, if you change your mind, you're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes, you guessed it, the Lawnmower 4.0. That's right, the 4.0. Complement your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. Yeah, Luke, the, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer that will change the way you approach your grooming routine. Okay? Uh, and that needs changing because I can tell got, you on my end, yeah, that needs changing. Yeah, no, nobody's got products this good. So the Lawnmower 4.0 will change that for you. You know, it's the fourth generation trimmer and it features the advanced skin safe technology to reduce grooming accidents. You know, you don't want ingrown hairs or snags on your boys before beach season. I mean, who? Who would want that? That would be a terrible thing to happen. Now, the Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. I mean, I shift Big Red about 72, 75. So 7,000 RPMs is in my comfort zone. I love it. And uh, the, the Lawnmower 4.0 will zing it up there really good, like coming out of the water box on the rug. And it's got an on-off travel lock. It gives you the ability to turn the, the 4,000 K LED spotlight on and off. So you know, when you go into Bat Cave, you can really get a look at what's out there in front of you and, and not uh, get any surprises. So, you know, you need the lawnmower 4.0. Let's just make it that simple. You know, if the power grid goes out in Texas again, and that's bound to happen at some point, you can use your lawnmower 4.0 to illuminate the way that, that you're traveling, so to speak. Uh, the LED spotlight's incredible. It gives you a great view of the terrain if you will that that you're on so uh, this is a great product and everybody needs it you know the sun's shining and it's calling your name fellas so join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer like i'm getting ready for by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping just simply by using the promo code jed that's j-e-d and you put that in, you get 20% off the product and free shipping. Go do yourself a favor or do the man in your life a favor by getting them the Lawnmower 4.0 today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss drag racers, Olympic athletes, and adult film stars. 
Uh, I'm solo this week. No Jed, uh, just uh, scheduling conflict. Uh, we'll actually reverse roles on next week's episode. Uh, Jed will be solo without me as uh, I'm going to go pursue this little racing dream and be on the road for uh, the next couple of weeks myself. But I have a treat for you today. Joining me momentarily, this week's guest, one Christopher Northrup. Um, otherwise known as Funny Car Chris, right? Some of you may know him a little bit better that way. Chris, very, very accomplished big dollar bracket racer at a young age. He's a former winner at the Spring Fling Vegas. I think that was a $50,000 win uh, less than a year ago. Uh, Multi-time big dollar bracket winner at events uh, literally across the country. Um, So that's probably uh, what you're familiar with in terms of Chris's exploits. What you may not know is he's also what maybe perhaps the the youngest um, owner, he, as he explains in this interview, uh, it's a partnership with uh, with uh, various members of his family. But uh, he, Chris is a racetrack owner these days. Uh, Gleason Raceway Park, Gleason, Tennessee, um, just took over the facility. It had been down for several years. He and his family have worked um, to revive it, rejuvenate the racetrack, and they actually had. Uh, their grand opening just last weekend and to say that it was successful would be a pretty significant understatement uh, they had JJ DeBoss in there uh, put on a huge show and had well I mean I'll let Chris use his words but <laughs> what he said was they had more people in the facility than live in the town yeah so it's successful opening day at Gleason Raceway Park so catch up with Chris we talk a little bit about how a kid from Idaho, Boise, Idaho, uh, the big city, came to own a racetrack in rural northwest Tennessee and what that transition has been like for him. Um, we talk a little bit about the, the people and the factors that have influenced him and his desire to own a racetrack, his plans for it, how, how bracket racing fits in, and, uh, and, and how we can use events like he just hosted to uh, to ultimately grow, you know, this the the section of this sport that most of us are the most interested in bracket and, and sportsman drag racing. Talk a little bit about his racing as well, and it's just a fun conversation with a with an entertaining guy to say the least. Um, so stand by for uh, I don't know what do we got 45 50 minutes with Chris Northrup. But before we get to Chris, but first P J. All right, so joining me today on the show, uh, I've been looking forward to this one. So we've got successful big dollar bracket racer, also TV star, and most recently, um, owner, racetrack owner. Uh, it's Gleason Raceway Park, uh, Chris Northrup. And Chris, uh, I think your journey to where you are today, the little bit that I know about it, is fascinating. Like you've 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 done a lot of different things in a relatively short period of time and, and have what I uh, am sure are multiple stories to tell. But I do want to focus, at least initially, on the latter. Uh, owner, Gleason Raceway Park. It's got a nice ring to it. How did, uh, my understanding, my research shows that you're 26 years old, is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, so at least to my knowledge, that you're like the youngest track owner, track operator that I'm aware of, perhaps the, the youngest in, in the country. Like, how, how long has 
owning, running a racetrack been on your radar, so to speak? Um, I mean, it's always been my dream. You know what I mean? Growing up and going to Firebird Raceway in Boise, Idaho, one of the nicest tracks in the country, runs smoothly, you know, and and it it being my second home, I've always wanted to to have that just, you know what I mean, as as my life, you know, and and it's always been a dream to own a drag strip. And I almost can't believe that it's happening. So, you know, right now and uh, I'm not the only owner. It's me and my family. Uh, me, my father, my uncle, and my cousin—we all went in a quarter, and uh, they still live in Idaho. So I'm—I I am the only one out here running it right now. At our big events, they do fly out and uh, help me with some stuff. But uh, for our for our main program and our regular weekend stuff, it's, it's going to be me and my crew. So. So how, give me, you can, and this is a podcast, so we're not limited on time. Like I was going to say, give me the Cliff's Notes version, but you don't have to give me the Cliff's Notes version. How does a young man from Boise, Idaho, wind up in Northwest Tennessee at a racetrack? Like how, how did, why Gleason? How did Gleason come to come into your life? Um, honestly, how Gleason kind of came into my life was a joke on Facebook. From being from Idaho, this track actually used to be called Tater Town Raceway. Yes, so yes. you know Idaho Tater Tater Town Raceway. Um, one of my buddies, he's an older gentleman. He uh, he drag races and he, he tagged me in this. He's like, "Hey, you taters need to go buy Tater Town Raceway," you know. And I met him from racing uh, big money in Bristol last year and whatnot. And and it just kind of was a joke. And you know, I was like, you know, how cool would that be? You know. Um, cause we were looking to kind of relocate somewhere out here just for better racing. Cause in, uh, in the West coast, it's very stretched out to, to find a racetrack. And, uh, unless you want to race for about $500 anywhere. Um, but we were looking for a, a East coast hub to kind of set up racing. And that way we wouldn't have to drive four days to come find some good races. And we we're looking Alabama, Tennessee, and then that popped up again on Facebook. And I was like, well, you know, what about this? And uh, my Uncle Rick, his wife is from Clarksville, Tennessee. So that's only about an hour from here. And so they came and visited uh, her family one night or one weekend. And uh, he drove up here just to check it out. And uh, he called me and my dad and he said, well, I think you guys need to get a ticket and come check this place out. You know, I think it's I think it's pretty cool and what we might be looking for. And I just told him, I was like, Hey man, if that's, if you think it's good and you think that's what we're looking for, go tell him we'll take it right now. You know, I don't need to fly out and waste money on a plane ticket. I'll just grab my stuff, put it in the trailer and I'll drive out. You know, I don't need to fly out. Um, It's it's a racetrack, right? We're uh, in. Yeah. I was like, I was like, send me some pictures, ride around, send me some pictures. I don't need to fly out. That's 500 bucks. We can save right there, you know, but for towards something and, you know, and then uh, a month later, here we were uh, on, our, on our way to Gleason, Tennessee, wherever that was. I had no idea. <laughs> I, I didn't even look it up. I didn't even do any research before I came. I put I put, I put all my stuff in, in my gooseneck trailer. I loaded my 83 third gen 640 bracket car in the back of it. All my stuff. I need to go bracket racing and just set up a track and to live here. And uh, I set up uh, east 1840 miles away to Gleason, Tennessee. And uh, I didn't stop till we got there. 
<laughs> what a story. What? Um, how big of an undertaking was it? I, I know obviously we're going to get to your huge opening night here in, in, in just a moment, which was just this past weekend. How big of an undertaking was it to get the facility back race ready? Because it, correct me if I'm wrong, it hadn't been in operation in at least a year, right? Um, it had been sitting for five years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it had not been, not been run in five years. Um, it was quite the overhaul. Um, and it, uh, a lot of work, a lot of carpentry, which I didn't know I could do, but I figured it out. Um, I guess a, a mechanic can figure out your ways. It's just a lot of, a lot of busted skin when you're a mechanic trying to do carpentry, <laughs> a little bit of missed angles. I'll tell you that, uh, what was the biggest hurdle to overcome? Like I know just from experience with our local track and even, um, you know, as a racer watching it at, at say Memphis or at, uh, at St. Louis, like when a racetrack sits for a year and it seems like even just a year, like that's really hard on things. You know I mean? It seems like it doesn't make much sense that it's easier mm -hmm. for people to be parked on it. And, and, but it just seems like things go, can go downhill fast. Like, uh, this was um, honestly, honestly, it wasn't really that bad. It just took a lot of, TLC and some some cleaning. Um, the ground was in really great shape. Every, the pits were in decent shape. Um, a lot of maintaining with cutting the grass and whatnot, which uh, a good friend, John Mitchell of ours, that we met since we've been here um, with Triple J Truck Repair. He's been helping us, and uh, he, he helps us a ton with uh, keeping our grasses maintained and, you know, baying the hail or... or <laughs> What am I trying to say? <laughs> I'm dyslexic, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Bailing the hay. Bailing the hay. There you yeah. go. That's a new thing to me. You know, I'm from yeah, the city. Sure. We don't do that in the city. <laughs> yeah, he comes out and bales the hay for us and takes that away. And yeah, John's been a huge help to us keeping this place clean and manicured. Because there's a lot of grass out here in the country. And a lot of weeds that grow really fast. Because <laughs> the... Uh, when this uh, when this Tennessee rain comes, it comes and it comes fast. That's a fact. That's a fact. What did you, how difficult was it coming in new place, new town, new racetrack to find help, or were there a bunch of racers kind of coming out of the woodwork saying, "Man, we'd love to get um, this place back going"? You know, every, everybody's been a huge support. Um, the racing community around Gleason has really missed the track. You know, a lot of families started out here. Um, a lot of generational, you know, they were able to race here and then it shut down. And, you know, I, I couldn't imagine what it would feel like to have your track taken away from you, you know? Um, and, uh, so I, you know, our, our family, we kind of came together we're like, well, why don't we try to, you know, all these tracks closing, all these big NHRA tracks closing. And you see all these news, you know, news articles, big, this, Hey, this, this is shutting down, you know? And we're like, well, why don't we try to revive something, you know? You know, we need to bring something back, you know, whether it's little and, you know, all we can do, but hey, we need to do something, you know, so, and I've always, it's always been a dream of mine. So every time you can, you can work your dream, they say you're never working a day in your life, right? So here we are trying to give it a shot. Well, if the initial returns are any indication, your, your shot is working out pretty well. The, your, your opening night, just from what I saw, just watching Facebook videos, things like that. Obviously, I wasn't on the premises. It looked phenomenal. Like I, and I just know from experience, a lot of people at a little place looks like a lot more people than it is. But it looks like you had a lot of people at Gleason Raceway Park last Saturday um, night. 
Yeah, let's just say there's more people at the racetrack than actually live in the town. <laughs> That's a good sign. That's <laughs> so, a good sign. So, yeah, um, we brought a little bit of commerce to the area. Um, I don't have exact numbers, but we had close to 7,000 people on property for our first event. And wow. for my initial idea, I just wanted to bring some fast cars in to put some rubber down for my bracket races. That <laughs> okay. was my initial idea coming into this. I never expected the that kind of support um, would, would ever come to, to my racetrack. You know what I mean? Tell me a little bit about the event itself. I know it was JJ the boss, which I'll be completely honest. I'm, I'm probably living under a rock. Like this event was my introduction to JJ the boss. So tell me what it, what it is, what he does, and why so many people so, seem to be interested, right? So JJ the boss, he's a, he's a Memphis street outlaw. So part of the street outlaw crew, they uh, have a Monday night show on discovery channel. Um, and uh, yeah, they're just, they're just, they're probably one of the nicest, bunch of the street outlaw crew um some of the craziest ones i'll tell you that they they got insane balls when it comes to driving a car um they did <laughs> said some stuff that i would definitely not do um their cars just are insane you know first car out on our track probably in my opinion probably went about a 470 off the trailer no prep um I didn't even know we could go that fast at my track. I'll be honest. And and she made the first turnout. Oh wow! We have a pretty short shutdown, <laughs> right? She made the first turnout. No shoots. Going probably four seventy. Wow. So the the majority of the competitors are they coming in with this crowd, or is it open to all, or how did that part of it um, work? It was it was open to all. Whoever wanted to run, um, you got in. Uh, general admission ticket got you free to race for five thousand dollars to win and uh it was actually kind of cool um one of the outsiders came in and beat jj's crew in the final round oh wow um, they beat they uh, um, beat uh tommy tommy dijon beat lee roberts in the final yeah okay. and lee roberts part of the memphis street outlaws gotcha what it was, it was uh, pretty neat so it's roughly 7,000 people on hand. How many actual competitors? Uh, we had first round, we had 36 racers enter after wow. some racers uh, dropped out from either braking or whatever may have happened. In testing, we probably had about 44 cars. What, um, where do all the people come from? Like, what was the promotion plan behind this? Was this something that you headed up or was that more on JJ or a combination? Um, it was a combo deal. We yeah. uh, worked together on this deal. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just like, just purely from a promoter standpoint, like where were you getting the word out? Like how did all these people find out? I, and it's funny how um, some of that fa- stuff fa- spreads, you know? Yeah. Um, ma- mainly online, just Facebook. Yeah. Um, I went around into like 10 different towns around here and I think I put up about 200 yard signs. Uh-huh. Um, so we did that as well. Um, handed out tons of flyers at tons of businesses from here to Nashville, here to Memphis, and everywhere in between, gas stations, restaurants, everywhere, and uh, did all that personally. So we did we did all that, and then uh, JJ himself made a lot of live videos and called out the track and um, did some promoting on their side, which really helps because uh, being who he is and have, having the following that they do um, really brings word out. No question. It's um, I felt like 
in my limited experience, like we kind of stumbled into this as a promoter. And I'm curious on your end if it was part of the vision that you had for this racetrack. But the one thing that I have come to realize, at least in our area, is and obviously this is like a, a special booked in show, but even for some of our bracket events, like we get a good spectator crowd and really can capitalize on that. You know, obviously my home track here at I-57 and, and our summer door car shootout is mainly what my experience comes in. And my only good explanation for that is there's just not a lot of competition for the entertainment val- the, the entertainment dollar in this area or, or probably any rural exactly. area. So I'm just, I'm, I'm curious on your end, like was that actually a thought coming in and, and do you agree with that sentiment? Oh yeah, I definitely agree with that. Cause when you, when you give people something to do, it just creates a, a family activity that everybody can go hang out and, uh, you know, get their minds off of whatever they were thinking of at home and not having to be sitting around the table, you know, bickering or whatever, at least trying to, you know, they, they'll come out and have some fun. And I think too, like there's something about the, the small town community. I think at times it can be difficult to infiltrate, but once you do, and obviously you've figured out a way to do that, I think it can really quickly become like, hey, we're going here and like everybody we know is going to this thing. Like you got to come or, or yeah. perhaps even today's social media age, we're here. Everybody we know is here. Like, why are you not here? And it just yeah. can spread like wildfire, right? And that's that's how it is. This whole community around here has been super, super um, great about us reopening the track. Um, tons of people offering to help. You know, we don't want paid. We just want to see this thing open, you know. That's what that's probably the main thing I, I hear. And, you know, as much as me and my family appreciate stuff like that, we've always been the type to, to just do it ourselves, like us, us four, you know, we've never been the easy ones to try to take the, the scapegoat. And, and uh, so we've always just been either on the sky lift ourselves or digging the trenches ourselves. And, but uh, with my, my dad, my uncle getting a little bit older, it's getting a little harder to do that. So um, no, they've been, uh, we've, we've, I've actually got a few crew that are coming back full time that helped us on Saturday. Um, yeah, we just had a lot of a lot of great people around here helping us out. To that end, Chris, like I don't even want to try to put words in your mouth. Like, how rewarding was it? Because, like you said, you've got four or five months of work in this, most of it with your own two hands or your family's own two hands, and to see the place just fill up on opening night like that, like that's got to be a pretty cool feeling. It was. It was mind blowing. Um, I almost, you know, I didn't know what to think half the night, just trying to trying to make sure everything went right on the track, and then like just overwhelmed by how many people were there and supporting, you know, a little track in a little town in Northwest Tennessee, and I don't know. It's uh, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. You know what I mean? Because um, again, I never thought I'd be able to to do this. You know, to to own a racetrack you know being a kid with a high school degree you know what i mean um never went to college never did anything like that um you know i never thought i'd be in this position so that being that being said it's uh it was it was wonderful you know is uh i don't i don't as tired as i was all saturday i don't think i could have lost my smile you know um being up there on the microphone having cars go by me on my racetrack it's just a, it's just a different, it's just a different feeling, you know, something I've never experienced before. Earlier in our conversation, Chris, you kind of uh, paid homage to 
Firebird Raceway and saying you know, that kind of planted the seed, not only for you as a as a racer and falling in love with the sport, but ultimately to to do what you're doing now and 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 uh, and and own and operate your own racetrack. I was curious just watching like your from your ribbon cutting ceremony to um, all of the kind of fanfare around opening day. And correct me if I'm wrong. It, we don't see a lot of that on this side of the country. I felt like it had the news fingerprints all over it. Like, how big of an influence has that family been on you and what you're doing? Um, <clears throat> honestly, the new family has given me, like I say, my uh, my racetrack morals. You know, uh, where you go by somewhere and you see some trash laying down, I'll pick it up. You know, that's my place to go. That's my leisure place. I don't want this place being nasty, you know. So... Be, that being said, you know, they've, uh, that family and everything given us the best racetrack, in my opinion, the best racetrack in the country. You can go there, you'll hook every time. You have the best experience. Everybody's the nicest you can be. You'll go get a decent meal at the, at the concession stand at a fair price. And I mean, the people around there are great. Um, I, I don't know. It's just one of the nicest tracks. Plus, the staging lanes there go right in front of the grandstands, right between the racetrack, which is one of the coolest experiences you'll ever have in your life. You know, especially at the Nightfire Nationals, their biggest race, which just happened the same weekend we had um, happened this last weekend. And it looked like they were at capacity. It looked like they had a great weekend. Um, but, you know, rolling down Saturday night of Nightfire Nationals and you have 10,000 fans on every side of you going down the, the staging lanes. That's that's just some, some of the coolest stuff. So, you know, that experience and, and growing up there, uh, me and my family are just trying our best to implement what what we learned from them and uh what we saw over the years to try to bring our our customers and our uh our racers the best experience possible and more so the way you're talking the way i take that anyway is it's more so just stuff that you've soaked in over the years not necessarily direct influence is that fair uh yeah 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 what um i guess now the question because let me see if I can frame this because I've, I look at you as, as having a similar background to myself, right? Came up very close uh, in proximity to, to bracket racing, you know, and then that's kind of oh, been yeah. the, the, the core driving force to your life as it's been mine. Blue collar family like all the way through. Sure. And now as a, as a track owner, like, I, if I were a track owner, I think, and I, my assumption is that you share the same belief. Like, obviously, I'm I'm going to be very partial to bracket racing. Like, if I owned a racetrack, it would it would have, in my mind, it would have a very successful bracket program. But in a vacuum, if we didn't have the personal attachment to bracket racing, like, I don't know as a track owner like how interested I would be in it. It's it's not the most profitable thing you can do. It probably creates the most headaches. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure you've thought about all of this. Where does bracket racing fit in in your mind at, at Gleason? Oh, it's 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 going to be one of our main programs here at Gleason. Um, just because we are such a smaller community, um, we will have the bigger events. Just because I mean, myself being a, a drag racing enthusiast, I've I've driven funny cars, uh, a bracket race. Bracket racing is what I love. It's what I grew up with. It's what's going to keep this sport going for forever. And that's the main reason we're going to go with bracket racing because, you know, you can put as many uh, kids in a junior as you can and let them go heads up, and the slower ones are going to get tired of it. So bracket racing is going to keep this, this sport going for years on years, and 
that's going to be our main program, but we are going to have some of the crazy, wild, fun stuff. You know, I'm going to bring in some small tire cars. We're going to do some some heads up stuff because, I mean, the sport's growing and uh, that's a big part of the sport nowadays. And a lot of fans follow that stuff. And, you know, some of the kids that don't want to get into bracket racing, eventually maybe they can get into some heads up stuff and still still follow along and, and uh, you know, get involved in drag racing. I feel like, and maybe this has always kind of been the blueprint. Uh, I feel like we've we've lost sight of it to some extent. Like I've, in my mind, there is potential to utilize events like you just had and big spectator events to introduce people to the sport to to gain interest. Like this is awesome. And then in my mind, at least, and this is kind of again the template from years past. Okay, now that you're here, now that you're you're interested and think this is cool, this bracket racing thing, like that's an affordable way that you can come do this and be competitive. Like, mm-hmm. how do we connect the dots between the two to to grow, you know, our little niche, the the thing that we love so much? Um, I'm, I made a few announcements to the crowd, you know, through those bigger events, um, trying to market some of those ways. Um, I've had a lot of people come up and ask about what our future program is going to be and so throughout explaining it to probably 100 people (laughs) um explaining them to like uh there's going to be kids programs and high school programs and uh different ways to get involved in street programs that you don't necessarily need the best of the best a hundred thousand dollar race car to come out and do what we do and and make a little money and and learn and have fun you know i've known plenty of people that have been career racers that have had like a a 94 Cavalier went out and just killed him and won everything, you know? And, uh, so at the, that being said, you know, that there's tons of classes, uh, from motorcycles to juniors to like a junior street style class where a kid would race with an adult in the car, um, to no box, to box, to, to your, to your average, uh, novice street class, you know, um, there's, there's something for everybody. And, uh, Do you think that there is opportunity to intermingle the two, like have a big show as part of a bracket race or a bracket race as part of a big show? Or do you think it's best to keep those diversified in their, in their own niche, so to speak? I think, I think it is great to combine them because growing up at Firebird with the Nightfire Nationals, Igniter, you know, Nationals, um, that was something we got to experience was the professional classes with the bracket races and and the final of the bracket races being able to be on a big level and these people are going whoa these guys are winning five thousand ten thousand dollars what what are these guys doing you know what i mean um so yeah it's definitely on our radar in the future to have some feature cars come in on one of our big bracket races but that will be probably not on like any of our main programs it'll be on one of our four-day big events or three-day big events um so, yeah, we, we definitely look forward to having something like that. It definitely does get more of your common drag racing crowd into dra- um, bracket racing mm-hmm. once they can actually see. Because most of the, the public is uh, blind to bracket racing. For sure. I, I would probably say 90% have no idea what bracket racing is unless they know a bracket racer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I feel like from, the, from a bracket racer standpoint, A... I think it's always good to see the stands packed just for 
the revenue that's coming into the facility, whether that's subsidizing facility improvements or perhaps subsidizing the purse in some cases. And let's be honest, Chris, like just as racers, you talked about that, that atmosphere at Boise. Like it's just cooler to race and especially to win when there's eyeballs on you. You know what I mean? It's oh, just, yeah. It just, it adds electricity to the whole day, right? So I think it's a win-win for everybody. Um, curious too and i like the the idea that you kind of pitched out is like hey this might be an opportunity to introduce this fan base that's coming for a you know a booked in show or whatever the case may be to bracket racing and kind of drawing back on the discussion that we had earlier about being in a a more rural area and not having a lot of competition for the entertainment dollar i feel like a lot of tracks could and not many tracks do a particularly good job of capitalizing on the idea of creating uh i guess local heroes might be the best way to put this like there's i think dirt tracks do a great job of this you know what i mean like the the local track champion is probably an everyday guy that you know works a nine-to-five job and comes out and drives his modified car and kicks the heck out of everybody every saturday night right but amongst the fan base at those tracks like there's a real loyalty to that guy or perhaps um a real dislike because he wins too much or they don't like his personality whatever either way they're invested right Mm -hmm. and i don't think as a whole our sport has ever done a particularly good job of that and i think the opportunities there is probably easier than ever in this day of, of social media to really take advantage of that particularly when you've got a a more rural setting and and maybe a more receptive set of eyeballs right Definitely, yeah. So I, yeah, it's something I've always thought about. My dad used to go on and on about that, you know, thirty years ago. Like we need local heroes, but like most things in my life, the more that I look back, I'm like, yeah, my old man was probably onto something. So, um, oh yeah, and uh, yeah, with our announcing, I've got uh, our original announcer from 1995 that actually came back from from the first day that the track was open. Oh wow, you know, cool. Been, it been ecstatic that it's coming back. And uh, he's going to come back and he's going to announce our first day for our first bracket race. So that's uh, so it's been a really huge community deal that this track is coming back. You know, like uh, it's like, you know, a piece of the community's heart went away when it when it shut down five, six years ago. And now that it's coming back, it's like everybody's got a new spark. You know, people people that have sold the race cars 10 years ago are now building new race cars. You know, I go into a random store. And they're like, hey, when are you open? I've almost got my car ready. And I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, awesome. You know, and, and that's probably three or four times on a daily occurrence around here in the, in the small town. And in a big city, you'd never have anything like that. You know, you just have people pushing your shoulder and, and going by you and doing whatever they're doing. But, uh, yeah, something like this in a small town definitely is a, is a huge deal to these people. No, and that that's pretty. That's a that's a unique perspective there too, Chris. And I I just uh, I I think any time that you take on something like you were doing, you're going to have what would typically be a fairly small but very loyal group that is going to give you as a track owner a ton of leeway because they see how hard you're trying, right? And they're like, okay, we're just going to get in and support this. But it just feels like with your grand opening and everything around it, like you've taken that small fire and just poured like a hundred gallons of gasoline on it. And it just seems like everybody's fired up. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that, like I said, I've, I've talked to probably 10 people that have either parked their race car when, when Glee, when uh, the Gleason track shut down or sold their cars. And they said, Hey, my car is almost ready. Or, 
hey, I bought a brand new Ricky Jones Pro Mod top sportsman car, and uh, it's going to be ready for, for your second race or, or the 2022 season, you know, and it's like, it's, a, it's just insane when you hear some of the stories just because you came and are trying to revive uh, a track that has once you know, tried to go away. Yeah, no, and I don't, I, I'm not particularly familiar with the history of the facility, and you may not have all of the details even, but I know that it's changed names several times, so I assume it's changed yep. ownership several times, like it's had a lot of different mm -hmm. iterations, right? Yep, it's gone from Northwest Tennessee Motorsports Park, and then it was Tatertown Raceway, The and uh, I guess a lot of people kind of saw that name as a joke, but... Uh, um, <laughs> It was that, and then uh, we we came back and we just wanted to pay homage to the town and yeah. uh, you know try to try to bring back the the city and you know see if I don't I, you know I don't know just kind of be be a part of the community was our uh, our original plan with the name of Gleason Raceway Park, and then plus uh, in the future if within ten years I'll have another uh, form of motorsports uh, that we'll be racing here on property. Fantastic. No, that's something that I don't I don't think I ever would have thought of, but it, it definitely keys in on the pride of the community and probably allows you to much more quickly get indoctr indoctrinated in that community simply having Gleason in the name. Yep. And uh, and there's a there's a ton of uh, want and need for other styles of motorsports around this area. Sure. So the the more we can we can help and I guess make a profit or, or we're just putting everything back into the track. Because uh, we actually still have our trucking company back in Idaho, mm -hmm. uh, so as long as we can pay our bills and upgrade as much as we can, that that's our plan right now, and that's what we're going to be doing. All right, so that probably answered this question to to some extent, and you you keyed on a little bit of future plans and expanding into different forms of motorsport. Whether you want to take this in a in a broad sense or a more immediate sense, like what are your future plans for the facility? Um, I don't have any anything exact for sure. Um, I, I do for the drag strip. Um, within I want to say within three to five years, we're gonna have a full eight mile concrete facility with about sixteen hundred feet of shutdown. Um, that's my initial plan. That's gonna be done first. And then after that, we're going to go to all asphalt pits and just kind of start start upgrading from there. Just uh, everything that I would want as a racer at a track, I'm going to try to implement for my racers. You know what I mean? Because I'm a, I'm kind of a baby when it comes to comes to tracks nowadays. You know, I'm getting <laughs> a little a little lazy, and I'm like, man, I need bathrooms close to me. You know what I mean? And so I'm just trying to trying to everything that I would want. I'm trying to bring to uh, the people of Gleason, Tennessee, when they come to Gleason Motorsports Park. Fantastic. The Because uh, my memory, I, I've only raced there once. I remember it being kind of short. You've got plenty of land. It's just a matter mm -hmm. of, of taking yep. advantage of that at some point. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just got to gotta get some revenue to uh, build some more culverts and, and ship it on out into the cornfield. <laughs> nice. What? Uh, so, so that's broadly a plan for the facility. And, and I think you mentioned, I think we were off air, uh, you're planning on starting up your regular bracket program in a week and a half now? Uh, yeah, we're looking to start our first bracket race on August 21st. Nice. And do you plan on bracket racing weekly or? Um, we're going to, we're going to do, uh, I'm not so sure right now this year, just cause it's kind sure. of, uh, 
a half season mm-hmm. and I'm trying to work with some of the tracks around the area um, just so I'm not stepping on people's feet, you know, and uh, we're going to try to work around some of the bigger events. That way we can work together and uh, the customers can go to these other tracks and support everyone. And uh, but uh, we're probably going to do something, something closer to biweekly, I would say. Yeah. Or, okay. uh, yeah. And I would imagine in this this first year, first half year, as you said, like there's going to be, you've probably got a million ideas and there's probably going to be some iterations, some probing, figure out what mm-hmm. works and what the sure. market wants. What is your plan for opening week, so to speak? I've, I've, had this, I've had this joke going on with everybody that I'm doing first and third round buybacks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not second round, first and third. So first round, you lose, you can buy back. Second round, you better bust your hump because you lose second round, you're going home. <laughs> but third round, you know, you can come back and buy back and go to fourth. So I've had that <laughs> joke going on for forever, and I've had so many people believe in it. They're like, "Really, you're gonna do that, man?" I want to. They're like, "Man, that's crazy. I've never heard of anything like that." <laughs> you know, um, and the, the, it's been kind of fun to to poke around as a racer, being able to be friends with a lot of the racers, poke around these smaller ideas, and and kind of hear what comes back and. Uh, I'm going to, I think I've got a good plan to implement for our first bracket race. Um, our, uh, my plan here at Gleason, we're going to do whatever we pay off the top is what we're going to pay off the bottom. Um, all payouts will be guaranteed and, uh, you know, we're just going to go from there and try to give them the best program we can. Awesome. Now, part of owning a racetrack as a racer kind of has to suck because you don't get to race at your own racetrack you know like this is obviously going to cut into your own personal racing to some extent mm-hmm. what does your future look like as a racer and is is that part of the the bi-weekly plan is so that you can get out and do some racing yeah that that that's uh i guess uh part of my bi-weekly plan that way i can get out a little bit and do some racing myself or or an end uh and who knows it could turn out to i mean we're I don't know if it'll exactly be bi-weekly and every single weekend, you know what I mean? Uh, schedule pending, I guess, is the best uh, best way to put it. Because, um, uh, you know, Firebird doesn't do it bi-weekly. I think they have about four uh, points races a year now, but they do it on, on a weekend base, so they do Saturday and Sunday. So we're, we're going to figure out our own deal, and we'll figure out what works for us. And, uh, you know, but uh, it, we do have some good ideas. We have some, at least I think they're good ideas, which could be, could be scary coming from, you know, funny car Chris, but uh, I think it, we're going to at least have some fun. Um, we're definitely going to have to figure out some stuff along the way, but being racers and being at tracks, you know, from when I was four years old, you know, I've, I've been around everything at the track. I've kind of got my eyes and seen everything that's been done. So I like to think I have a decent idea of what's supposed to go on. Um, you know, the main part will be finding a good crew um, to help me at the track. And, uh, you know, um, we just have a lot of racers excited to come back and, and get back going. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I, and you may have kind of a, uh, uh, a mentor in mind, so to speak. Like when I think of successful racer owners, I think of like Mike Ledford up at Michigan or back in the day, um, Bob Harris owned uh, Piedmont and would always 
break free to go down around the winter series events, you know, in a handful of races to where he got his fix in and, and stayed relevant. And like to Ledford, I mean, I think he's still generally recognized as one of the best racers around and his setup is, his setup is pretty slick. Like granted they're in Michigan, so they can only probably race five or six months out of the year, you know, but, uh, like the gates close and he just goes to Florida for six months and races all winter, you know what I mean? And then comes back and, and runs the track. So I could see something along those lines in your future for sure. What, um, what has been the biggest challenge to this point i mean i know you're only five months in and one one event in but i'd imagine you've hit more than one or two things that you probably didn't even consider when you when you took on this project like what's been the biggest hurdle for you uh being in the country and having to deal deal with septic tanks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's been my biggest hurdle and all the damn bugs around here man there's so (laughs) many bugs and animals and slithery i don't even know man i freak out i fly outside go outside there's something flying by my head that's freaking a quarter a a a half dollar size i'm like i don't even know what that is but i'm going back inside you know this is a this is not for me (laughs) so that's that's been the biggest thing to get used to is uh all the all the darn critters and the humidity the humidity is terrible around here now, especially this time of year, it's been brutal. Which I think, oh, as the as the crow flies, like I could probably I could probably drive to you in like three hours. So we're not as far away as most people think, Illinois to Tennessee. But yeah, no, the weather has been brutal the, the last. Yeah, month and so the, I think right now, right now, I'm chilling in my apartment. I got the AC cranked up. Um, I think right now it's uh, 95 outside, so it feels like about 102. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful out there. It feels great. Just, just rough. I, I, I may. I know. I know why everybody races at night now back here. Yeah. You know, I grew up racing all day long, starting in the morning. I'm like, oh, what do you mean it's hot? You still race? What? Come on. You know, it's like <laughs> 92. It's five o'clock. You're still gonna race. Come on. It's like fourth round. And the no, you don't do that here. <laughs> the humidity and the, the temperature. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, I can't do it either. You know, I've uh, I found myself, you know, trying to cut layers to try to stay cool while racing and i don't recommend it. it's not a good idea for safety <laughs> but, uh, yeah it's a i'd never even thought about doing that until i came out here because it's sure. just so darn hot you talked uh, a little bit about your experience as a racer all of the different types of events different race tracks that you've been to and kind of how they've molded your perspective and probably given you a great foundation to do what you're doing now take us back just a, a little bit because i'm not sure that i even have a, a, a completely clear perception of your racing career to date and what's brought you to this point obviously you're uh, uh, come from a family of racers and we're probably brought up around it to some extent but just kind of take me back and walk me through it so yeah, my uh, my family, my uncle uh, Rick and my father Sam, they started ra- racing back in the early '80s. Um, originally from the Phoenix, Arizona area, so they raced uh, down there quite a bit, and then they moved up to Idaho, up to Boise, and uh, started racing. They they started off on the streets, and then uh, ended up moving to um, the drag strip once they kind of figured out what bracket racing was and if they got their cars they could do these certain different stuff with them you know and and so they started racing this at the drag strip and uh, my second day on earth i was actually at the drag strip because there was a big event my mom got rushed to the hospital had me dad's still racing she comes back out to the track to support him when they're done you know (laughs) so that's that's where we started off at and uh you know, I, I started in a junior when I was eight years old. Um, obviously, now you can start when you're five. 
Um, but I started when I was eight and uh, went through juniors. Um, I actually raced my first big car when I was 15 years old with a permit only. Sorry, NHRA. Permit only. I uh, snuck in with my mom's Dodge Charger because back in Idaho, they give you a hard card permit. So I acted like it was my license and raced sportsman and uh, got into my first car at the uh, first dragster at 16 years old, which was uh, we, uh, a dragster we built ourselves. Uh, hardtail 230 inch um, six O car and uh, licensed in that and then raced that for a few years ended up building my 66 Impala wagon um, foot brake that won a division championship in high school with that car in HRA and then uh, right after that we I, I jumped into super street with my 83 uh, camber we call it it's a Camaro firebird half and half um, I did pretty well. Which half season. is which? Um, I don't even know now <laughs> anymore. That's it. The back's Firebird, front's Camaro. I've scratched it so many times, it all looks the same. <laughs> but uh, I, we got like five races into the, I think it was like the 2013 season. I was a, a senior in high school. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm in Fallon, Nevada like a fifth race in i'm sitting second in points in super street i've never i don't even know how to use a throttle stop i'm still figuring it out five races in and uh we're qualifying final qualifying i remember it clear as day and uh we're gonna go into a shootout right after this pass and i've been killing it all day long i let go i'm triple o unqualifying goes dead one qualify i let off it drops a valve <laughs> motor's gone that was the end of our season <laughs> and then uh, after that um the very next year um a friend of ours from idaho uh dennis radford has been one of my big mentors in racing um he raced pro mod with billy harper and uh and then from kentucky and uh he him and his wife helped me uh, purchased my very first range and dragster, which uh, I was able to win my first $10,000 event within that next two years after I got the dragster. And then uh, just from there, we kind of, I mean, we built a lot of our own stuff. We built our own motors, our own transmissions. We do our own chassis work. Um, I lucked my way into finding a Danny Nelson uh, four-link dragster, um, bought it, um, reworked the whole thing ground up rebuilt everything uh, repowder it's it basically a new car other than the body and uh you know we just kind of chipped our way up and kind of upgrade as you can we don't have the nicest stuff uh when i was uh what was it three years ago i was approached to drive a funny car for a friend of ours out of boise boise area i think i've made about 10 passes in it um i don't recommend driving funny cars to anybody <laughs> Probably the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. What type of funny car is this? Like a the nostalgia funny car. Okay, movie. yeah. Um, blown Hemi. Uh, How fast have you been in that thing? I only made eight pop passes in that thing, but we slapped the wall at, at about probably like 140, 150. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that that gets you a name for funny car, Chris. When you slap a wall with a funny car, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> But uh, that, I mean, it, as crazy as it may have been, gave me some experience on what not to do in certain situations. Um, uh, after that, uh, 
one of my biggest mentors throughout this whole process, uh, you know, running a racetrack, my, my process, I'm, I'm getting involved with owning a racetrack. Um, one of the original wild boys of drag racing, um, that turned into a huge professional and one of my biggest mentors and role models, you know, Kyle Seipel, um, he helped me break out and, and, uh, go, go bracket racing on a bigger level. Um, he helped me get in, in touch with the Brown family in Bristol, Tennessee. And, uh, I've been driving for them for three years now at the fling events. And, uh, this year I'm going to be able to go to <clears throat> the first summer fling up in Ohio. So I'm only six hours away now, which is cool. Not, not, you know, 86 hours away. <laughs> um, but he's, he, he was one of my biggest mentors and, and give it, getting me out of my bubble, out of, out of Idaho and, and experiencing a bigger, bigger world of bracket racing, you know, um, coming to the East coast, uh, and, uh, you know, helping. And then, and then, uh, from there, I mean, shoot, that was only two years ago from there. Here we are. <laughs> no, it's pretty incredible. Like you, you hear, I hear more and more stories like you just shared about Kyle and the number of racers lives that he's touched like yours like I mean obviously his legacy will live on for a long long time but I just think it's so amazing how kind of behind the scenes because it's not just you it's not just me like there's dozens there might be hundreds of us that that really were impacted and directed by Kyle Seipel so yeah he's he's a great man you know and uh, one of the things I live by it's, it's all about the story (laughs) that's it uh, that's it i think i've got a decent one only being 26 but you know and a lot of people tell me i'm crazy for going on tv and smashing up one of my race cars but i look back at them and i tell them you know what it's all about the story right it's all about the story when i'm old i'm gonna have a a hell of one you know (laughs) (laughs) i think you got a hell of one right now and you're 26 no that's um you'd mentioned uh heading up to the uh, the fling in just a couple of weeks you've got an opportunity to race a little bit since coming over to the side of the country right yeah just a, a little bit I made my way to music city bowling green okay a little bit of i've raced a lot let me say that um holly springs a bunch <laughs> with the paducah quite a bit i'm actually in a final round for a guaranteed million entry in paducah that, that rained yeah. out so I got to go back. I believe we rescheduled that for the Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to go back, finish that. I'm going to be in Ohio for the first time. Then I'll be back in Bristol for my birthday weekend, uh, September 28th through the, what is it, to the August or through whatever it is, the 4th or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I've been uh, doing way more racing than I ever thought I would be, <laughs> ever. Well, I'll just, I don't know if it's been a a similar situation for you. I know when I moved from Texas to Alabama, which I'm dating myself now, it's 20, almost 20 years ago. I, there, once I moved to Alabama, there was, at that time, there had to have been 15 or 20 racetracks within three or four hours of where I lived. Like three of which I had ever heard of prior to moving there. You know, I mean, they're all just little small town exactly. racetracks. Yeah. So I, you're experiencing the same thing. I'll make a couple of, I'll, I'll make a couple of recommendations to you, Chris, just 
you've been to the hill, right? The hill's a unique yeah, experience. I love yes, Bowling it Green. Is. It's probably my favorite racetrack, right? I had to get bigger tires after I went to the hill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. That's That's been an ongoing issue there as well. Um, I'll, I'll make two suggestions that just come to the top of mind. If you haven't yet, you got to go to Buffalo Valley. It's like okay. the coolest atmosphere ever. It's a ways from you. It's over on the other side of Nashville, but it's a cool place. It actually, it, everything about the place reminds me of I-57, my home track, but it's like on the side of a hill. The pits are even laid out the same. So it's, uh, but it's a cool place. And the, um, Mr. Huddleston that runs the place, cool dude. And then just for the experience of it, there's there there's probably never going to be a reason necessarily to go there, but you've just got to see it, and it's not that far from you. You got to go to Pickwick, Pickwick <laughs> oh, Dragway, Pickwick, Tennessee. It's right down by the dam. <laughs> you just got to pull in and see it. That's all. Yeah, and and I want you to I want you to follow up with me when you do. I've I've heard uh, I've heard you gotta if you if you do go to Pickwick, just uh, just have fun is what I've been. Just told. have just, fun. Uh, yes. <laughs> don't expect too much. Just go and have a good time. <laughs> Be safe. Pickwick is the facility. I can't say that I was disqualified because I was not disqualified, but I was reprimanded for sandbagging. I was told that it was against the rules. (laughs) Oh, God. Here we go. Okay, yeah, I got to go at least one time. You got to check that out. A few more haters. Chris, it has been a pleasure having you on. Um, congratulations on a huge opening weekend and just an exciting uh, change in, in scenery and life events and, and obviously fulfilling what has been a lifelong dream and owning your racetrack. I wish you guys nothing but the best. I look forward to getting down and, and racing with you guys personally. Once I get the Vega back together at some point, I'll get the Vega back together. I'll come down there and do wheelies and we'll have a good time. Heck yeah. <laughs> Sounds good, Luke. I appreciate you having me on and, uh, we look forward to being up here in Gleason, Tennessee with Gleason Raceway Park for years to come. Uh, my dad's actually looking to retire up here in Idaho and move out here. So we're going to we're gonna be a family thing for, for generations up here. Awesome, man. Awesome. Wish you guys nothing but the best. For our listeners tagging along, uh, obviously they can find the Gleason Raceway Park on Facebook, and it's GleasonRaceway.com. Is that correct? Yep. Awesome. You guys check them out. Follow Chris, support his events if you're in the area, and uh, they got big things going on at Gleason. Yep, and if you want to follow Funny Car Chris and whatever I may be doing, you can follow me on Instagram and on Facebook. Always entertaining. Thank you very much, Luke. I appreciate you very much. <laughs> Take care, Chris. Bye-bye. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling 
not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers. That's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.